0: This Morning, very excited about what God is doing in our fellowship. And I see His Spirit moving powerfully in hearts. And I'm excited about how so many of you are devoting yourselves to God. And uh, this morning, we're going to really dig into His Word. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and go to God in prayer. So start out. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, your grace. We thank you for calling us out of darkness into your light, God. We thank you for rescuing us from this world and all the garbage that's in it, God. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you, God, for your word that guides us, that motivates us, that convicts us that leads us to You, that helps us to find Your Spirit. God, thank You for writing to us. Thank You for caring about us. We know, God, that You don't have to care about us. You don't have to love us. You owe us nothing. We owe You everything. And yet, Father, You do love us, and You give everything to us. Help us now, Father, in this moment, to focus our minds, to focus our hearts, whether we're a visitor visiting for the first time or somebody who's been here for many decades. Help us to focus ourselves and to listen carefully to your word and to have the humility to allow your spirit to move in our hearts. We love you, God. We praise you now. And we worship you with open ears and open hearts. And in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and go to chapter of Hebrews chapter uh, 2. We're going to pick up right where we left off. And we're talking about the warnings of God, right? You remember that? And uh, you know warnings are incredibly important. These are the five warnings of the book of Hebrews. This is how the book is organized. And if you weren't here or even just as a reminder, we're going through the book of Hebrews because it was written to Christians who had been Christians somewhere between 25 and 35 years. And so it very much fits our demographic for the most part. I know a lot of us are younger, but a lot of us are around that age group. And sometimes it's not the years, it's the mileage, right? It's all that we've been through that makes us an older Christian. I know people who are 20 years old and are older Christians. Um, They've been around a long time. Some of us grew up in the church. Some of us have had a lot of experience. So it meets all of our needs. And even if this is the first time you've ever even heard of Christianity, I guarantee you there's something here for you. That's the way God is. So
1: warnings are
0: a special thing. Warnings are because God loves us. Just like we warn our children, right? Uh, I remember seeing my son. I shared the other day that He would run across the house like this, looking backwards. And I would warn him, look ahead. Don't look backwards when you run. And and something as basic as that, but it, it still took a couple of booms before he got that down, right? And as parents, we try to warn our kids because we love them, because we want them. But, you know, even as a society, we warn each other, we help each other to not do stupid things. Uh, there's lots of warnings out there in life, right? Most products come with warnings. Here's a warning about a chainsaw. Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw, right? Uh, here's a warning about a uh, thermometer. Do not use orally after using rectally. Okay? Sometimes warnings are just to help you along, right? Uh, here's one on a baby stroller. Remove child before folding. You laugh, but that's a real warning. I saw one on iron. Please do not iron while wearing your clothes. Uh, Touching wires causes instant death. And a $200
1: fine.
0: Just in case you happen to survive. You're gonna get fined too. Here's another warning. No stupid people beyond this point. I don't know who had that one on their house, but uh, how about this one? Danger, flammable gas. What's he doing? He's smoking. How about this one? Carrying the sign. Safety first. He's on a motorcycle holding a sign. He can't see where he's going. Uh, Somebody else is driving, but still, we can all imagine what could happen there. How about this guy? You would be amazed how many YouTube videos there are of people doing this. Chopping the wrong side of the branch. What's going to happen when he cuts through that branch? It's going down. And he's on it. How about these brilliant guys? How to quickly shovel your driveway. What's going to happen when he hits a rock? I fear for his front teeth. How about these brilliant guys? They're in a pool playing a radio. It's plugged into a power strip that's on his floating sandals that's connected to an outlet. They're about to run an experiment to find out what happens when electricity goes through water. How about these rocket scientists? We don't have a table. No problem, bro. Let me just bend over and you can saw it on my back. Sometimes warnings can save our lives. Warning, do not touch. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you are dying. I love this. You're not going to get an easy death. It's going to be painful all the way. Right? So, God puts warnings in the Bible because He loves us. Because He cares about us. Because He doesn't want us doing stupid things. And we do stupid things. Raise your hand if you've ever done stupid things. Okay, so, I'm talking to the right crowd here, right? We do stupid things sometimes. We need to be warned sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I'd like to think that I'm so smart that I would avoid all mistakes. Wow, you guys laughed back there. I heard you, all you must know me. I'm just not that smart, and God surrounds me with people that help me since I was a baby, right? God provides people to help us. And in the big things, he provides the Bible to help us. You only get one life. You get one shot at this thing. I wish reincarnation were true, but it's not. It's a wish. The reality is we get one life. One shot. Don't blow it. Don't mess it up. Don't ruin it. And that's why God gives us direction. That's why God Gives us warnings. And I say that because sometimes when somebody warns us, we get prideful. Or we get defensive. Or we don't want to listen. Or we don't want to hear, right? We want to try it or learn to through trial and error. Listen, I don't need to get hit by a train to know it's bad. Right? I can learn from other people's mistakes. That's really the best way to learn. That's why the Bible is so straightforward. I mean, you look at the people in the Bible, they blew it all the time. And it's in there, not so you can blow it like them, but so that you don't blow it like them. So that we can learn from them. The book of Hebrews has warnings for Christians, has warnings for people of faith. Last week, we talked about the first one. Let me back up. Not to drift. Not to space out, is the modern Carrillo translation. Don't space out. What the Bible is saying is pay attention. Yeah. And, it's, and it's a particular challenge in our day and age because we have so much information coming at us yeah. all the time. It's funny, I was, we were watching a movie at my house the other day and these guys were, these scientists, this is like the 80s, or the, actually the 70s, and they're in a room and this room is a giant computer and it's funny because we laugh because my phone has more computing power than that entire computer did. I get more information at the tips of my fingers. I used to have one of those Encyclopedia Britannica sets. Huge, bushy, like a whole room just for them. My, my phone knows more than they do. My phone has access to more information than I had in that. And then we can be distracted. We're bombarded. There's so many things To distract us, it becomes hard to focus and pay attention. Pay attention. To be mindful of what's happening. When God is speaking, when we're listening to His Word, our focus should be on that. And it's so easy to not do that and to space out and not pay attention when we're at church. What was said? What was read? What was the sermon last week? What was the sermon two weeks ago? It's easier to just remember the stories and the jokes than to really listen and say, okay, what is God telling me right now? What is God trying to show me? What is God calling me to? So don't space out. That was the first one. We talked about that one last week. Let's go to the second one. Don't doubt. Do not doubt. We go to Hebrews chapter 7. That's our scripture for this morning. And we begin reading in verse 7. Hebrews 3, sorry. Hebrews 3, verse 7. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says, okay, and when the Holy Spirit speaks, what should we do? Listen. Listen. So as the Holy Spirit says, you ever wonder, what's the Holy Spirit up to? What's he saying? I'm telling you right now what he's saying. (laughs) Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years, they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts all are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is the warning. Number two, you don't want to be like these people. And I tell you, there's there's good examples in the Bible, and then there's bad examples in the Bible. And hopefully, you know, if we learn from them, we can follow the good examples and avoid the bad examples. If we don't avoid the bad examples, we become the bad examples. We become the cautionary tale in the church.
1: Right.
0: Well, you don't want to be like so-and-so.
1: Right.
0: You know what happened to so and so. And that's what he's saying here. Don't be like them. You remember the story, right? I talked about it last week the story when the when the Israelites came out of Egypt. It was a great story. If you haven't read it, you at least saw the movie, right? You saw the, 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 the real Moses, Charlton Heston, or the new one, the Prince of Egypt, and, and Beyonce and Whitney sang a beautiful song. But you saw it, right? You know the story. The, this incredible miracle happens. An entire nation in slavery are set free through miracle after miracle after miracle. And as they march out, they go through all these miracles. They're brought to the mountain of God. To meet God. To become God's people. And then and then things go wrong. And they lose their faith. They struggle. They go through hard times. They're losing their faith. They're struggling with their faith. And they struggle so much that they don't get to go to the promised land. Now it's part of that story we all relate to. We relate to being rescued and set free. Amen. If you're a Christian. You were set free from the slavery to sin. If you're a Christian, you were set free from slavery to hatred or anger or whatever sins captured you. Whatever you couldn't change. Whatever was you were powerless to change. And Jesus set you free. And gave you a new life and a new hope. And as Christians, we march out there and we go through hard times. Right? He never said it'd be easy after you got baptized. If anybody told you that, you have my permission to go punch him in the arm. Okay? Because that's not the truth. You joined in the battle between good and evil. You joined the light. You became a Jedi. You are on the right side now, fighting evil in the world. The evil in the world and the evil in your own heart. But as along that path, it gets challenging sometimes. And the warning is don't give up like them. They doubted God. You don't want to doubt God. It's what Satan is always doing. When he went after Jesus, it's what he tried to do. He tried to make Jesus doubt his relationship with God. If you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, then do this. And he wanted him to test God. And Jesus refused to test him, he refused to test God, and he quoted scripture back at him. And that's how we need to be. That when Satan comes after, we just quote scripture right back at him. We can straighten out and bring up the truth when Satan throws his lies at us. But it's what he wants us to be as doubters. He wants us to doubt God. Does God really love you? Does God really care? Does he even know who you are? I mean, come on, there's 7.5 billion people on this planet. You think God knows you? The answer is yes, he knows you. He knew you before you were born. And he loved you before you were born. But Satan wants us to doubt that. Is God really in control? I mean, look at the world. Look what's happening out there. Does he really care? that's Satan. Do you think his brothers and sisters really care about you? Do you think they all care what happens to you? Do you think these leaders care? Do you think this church is worth anything? Don't tell me you've never had that thought. It's what Satan's always whispering and trying to sow the doubt of the power of God and the love of God. If he can do that, he doesn't have to convert you to another religion. He doesn't have to get you to go back to whatever sins you were into. All he's got to do is sow doubt. He doesn't have to prove anything. That's always how he works. Just get you to doubt God and the people around you. Get you to doubt the Bible and the leaders God has put given you. If he can do that, then he's undermined your faith and you're weak. And it's very easy to slide into what? Being cynical? Being critical? Being negative? And we slowly become the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. We all start like the prodigal son. God, I'm unworthy. I, I'm just lucky to be here. But as the years roll by, as the challenges roll in, if we doubt God, if we doubt His promise, if we doubt the Bible, we start getting cynical. We start getting critical. Why this? Why that? Why do they got to do this? And we even set ourselves up. Believe it or not, we start judging God. We start judging His church. We start judging His plan. We forget that this is the sacred family of God. The holy nation of the Lord. The people of Jesus. Oh, that's just those guys. And they're this and they're that. And they don't this and they don't that. And we see their weaknesses and sins and condemn them for it. Which is what the people of Israel started doing. They got critical of God. They got critical of the plan. They got critical of the leaders. They got critical of Moses. And they just started picking away, picking away, yeah. until God called them on it and challenged them to stop it and to have the right heart. He brought him to the mountain of the Lord. And you know what he did? He scared them. Yeah. He brought him to the mountain. There was thunder and lightning and all kinds of things and trumpets. And, and they were like, no, 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 Moses, you go. We'll stay down here. <laughs> Because he just wanted to show them how powerful he is. And that he deserves all respect. And all reverence to him. We are not his judge. He is our judge. We are not to judge his plan. And his plan is to judge us. Not the other way around. This is his plan. He said don't. Holy Spirit said don't be like them. Don't fall into what they fell into. Right. It's easy to do, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. It's easy to walk in critiquing, judging, criticizing, and fault finding. Anybody can do it. And the amazing thing is, is it's all perspective. Yeah. Right. You know, God. Whenever He talks that, whenever God tells that story, He says, "I carried you on wings of eagles." You could have asked any one of them. They said, it was hot. We had to walk. There was no water. There was no food. We didn't know where we were going. Even the leaders didn't know where we were going. And we wandered around and we didn't know what was happening. It was so, and they could say, it was awesome. God wiped out all the enemy armies that came at us. We had a pillar of fire by night. We had a pillar in the day. We had angels protecting us. We had food coming from heaven. We didn't even know what it was called, so we called it, what is it? Which is what manna means. We called it, what is it? And we didn't know where there was water, and water came out of rocks. Or they could have said how hard and miserable they were. It's all perspective. Do you doubt? Or do you trust God? Do you believe him? Do you believe his promises? Jesus said, all things are possible for him who believes. Mark 9, 23. He said, with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Or do you think it's just too hard? It's just too much following him. Obeying the Bible. Do we think, I can't do that that's too much. I'm busy. I got things to do. Why are they asking for that? Why does he want this? Are we thinking, praise God. I get to be part of what God is doing today. So that's the first warning. Don't be a doubter. Believe in God. Trust him. Jesus said, trust in God. Trust also in me. John 14. Obey because you know him. Not just because you have to, but because you believe him. And trust in doubt, it's a decision we make. When Thomas said, I'll believe when I see it. When I see him, I'll believe in him. You remember that day? Yeah. How come Thomas didn't, hadn't seen him? Because he missed the meeting, so don't miss the meetings, <laughs> Right? He wasn't there when Jesus showed up. But what did Jesus say to him? He said, stop doubting and believe. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's what the Lord says. So warning number one or two. What's warning number three? Don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. We still need to keep on growing, amen? They've been Christians 20, 30 years. It's easy when you come into the kingdom, when you come to church, you learn a ton. Most of us knew nothing about the Bible. Most of us knew nothing about God. Most of us who started coming to church knew nothing about Jesus. And we learned a ton and it changed us. It transformed our minds and our hearts. And we learned so much. And then we get comfortable. We know all the main scriptures we use. We know Matthew 28, we know Acts two thirty-eight. we know John 13, 34, we know these. But what new scriptures are we learning? What else are we learning? Are we learning more and more about God? I dare say some of us, our spiritual growth was the first two years of our Christianity. Wow. And it's been pretty much plateaued since then. What have you learned in the last month? What have you learned in the last Six months. What are you growing in your knowledge of? What are you adding to your faith? What are you developing? What, are, what what How much more do you know Jesus? I remember when I became a Christian, I thought, man, I've learned a ton in two months. In 20 years, I'll be walking on water.
1: I'll
0: be amazing. Because I'm going to become more and more and more like Jesus. Is that a crazy thought? Absolutely not. It's the plan. We're supposed to keep growing. We're supposed to keep adding to our faith, right? Yeah. We're supposed to keep developing spiritually. In 1 Peter 1, go ahead turn there. In 1 Peter 1, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1. You can read 1 Peter 1 tomorrow on your own. In verse 3 he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you catch that? Everything we need to keep growing. Through these he has given us every great and precious promise, so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by its evil desires. Let me translate that to plain language. You get to become more and more like God and escape how evil the world is. You get to become more godly and less worldly. That's what His divine power gives us. And that should continue. That doesn't just reach... I mean, stop yourself: Are you as grown as much as you'll ever be? Are you as loving as you can get? Are you as kind as you can be? Are you as faithful as you can be? So there's room for growth, amen? So we should keep growing, keep adding. He goes on, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to to add to your faith goodness, and the goodness knowledge, and the knowledge self-control, and the self-control perseverance, and the perseverance godliness, and the godliness mutual affection, and the mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that means you keep adding, growing, growing, growing. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, some of us are ineffective and unproductive. And we don't know why. Because you stopped growing. When's the last time you led a Bible study? When's the last time you taught somebody about the Word of God or about the cross of Jesus? When's the last time you made them a disciple? When's the last time you helped somebody discover the grace of God? Or have you just plateaued and become ineffective and unproductive? Is your religion all about you now? Is it all about making you happy? Or is it advancing the kingdom of God and saving and blessing the people around you? we're supposed to keep moving forward. Or have you settled and become complacent in the Lord? Are you increasing in the fruits of the Spirit and bearing fruit as a disciple? And these are just honest, I'm just being real here. Yes. Honest questions to ask ourselves. Or have we fallen into this warning that we stopped growing and we became ineffective? He says, after he says that, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See, what happens is we think that we can get to a comfortable place. I know what to do. I know to go to church. I give my contribution you know, I even talk about God every once in a while. And, and, and we come to this comfortable place. But what you don't realize is you can't stop because Satan's on your tail. He's one step behind you. And he begins corrupting your heart. Chris, you know how you know, sharks, they got to keep going forward all the time, right? We're like that. If we're not moving forward, we start dying. If we're not advancing in the faith, we start losing our faith if we're not out there going out on the limb where the fruit is, if we're hugging the the, the trunk of the tree, we lose our faith. And we start becoming more sinful. And we start going back to our old sins. And we start struggling with the things we did before. And he says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So we don't want to be that person. Amen? This is the warning. Don't stop growing. Don't stop adding to your faith. Chapter 5, he says in verse 11, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We have to keep moving forward and adding. We have to keep practicing what we know and build on it. You know, why why are we pulling everybody together? Honestly, because we need to go back to the basics together. And we need to reestablish that foundation, the basic teachings. Why? Because we're weak in that. If we're honest, we know we're not doing that good. As a group, we know we're not. We're not seeing lots of people becoming Christians. We're not having a great impact on the city. We're not being a light that's shining to Los Angeles. We're not being what we want to be, amen? What we signed up for. And what does the Bible say? It's because we're not growing. It's because we're not moving forward. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep growing. I apologize. I jumped from warning number two to number three. But that's okay, get two for one deal there. He says in chapter six, verse one, therefore, and what do you gotta do when it says therefore? Find out what it's there for, right? He says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. And be taken forward to maturity, not laying on again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and from faith in God. He said, we got to get beyond just (coughs) having to talk about repenting all the time. Or having to talk about faith all the time. That's what happens when you're not feeding yourself. That means the whole group has to talk about this all the time. We should be reading that and growing in repentance. We should be really good at Repentance. I mean, if you've been around 10 years, you ought to be really good at repentance, right? What's repentance? It means change your mind, change your heart. It means turn around to God, right? We should be awesome at it. Yeah. Yeah. Not people who avoid it. Not afraid if somebody's gonna say something that we gotta change. Come on, Robert. All right. Not afraid, you know. We get we get good at avoiding repentance. We get like the matrix. Remember in the matrix, they were dodging all the bullets? Oh, yeah. You know? We do that in the Sunday service. We're just like dodging, up God, get, get me there. Oh, he got me on that one. Yeah. Stop dodging! Yeah. What is God telling you right now? I'm sure he's telling you something. Yeah. I know he is we need to grow. Yes, we do. Yes. Laying on the hands of resurrection dead. It is, is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God. And the powers of the coming age. And who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Mm-hmm. To their loss. They are crucifying the Son of God all over again. Mm-hmm. And subjecting him to public dispr- disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless, and is in danger of being cursed, and in the end it will be burned. What's he saying? What's he talking about farming? He said, we're receiving the word of God. We're receiving teaching. We're receiving preaching. What are you doing with it? Are you letting it change you? And when it changes you, it produces fruit. Right. Or do you walk in every Sunday, hear a sermon, and walk out unchained? Wow. Unchanged. Are you the same this week as you were last week? Why? Come on. I mean, I thought the sermon last week was pretty good. Yeah. It should have changed something. Yeah. Are we so used to not changing We've become land that produces nothing instead of being fruitful, instead of sharing more love, more faith, more conviction, because whatever we receive, we allow it to change us, transform us. That's the way the word of God works. It changes you. Yes. it washes your mind I remember I was studying the Bible my mom said are you getting brainwashed I said yeah mom I need it though
1: yeah, I, need it.
0: I really need it she said okay Mio stay with it
1: <laughs>
0: she knew I needed it she knew I needed it my, my family kicked me out because I was changing our tradition but my mom was like you hang in there I received a letter two days after she died after she committed suicide. And the letter said, she said, Mio, do two things. Marry Michelle, she's a good woman. And stay in that church. She recognized it. She saw how it was changing my heart and my mind. Is it changing your heart and your mind? What impact is this sermon having on you? What difference is it making? And it's the serious stuff. These are some of the, I'm just telling you, these are some of the scariest scriptures in the whole Bible. He yeah. yeah.
1: says
0: it's just impossible for those who turn their back on this to come back. Because they're crucifying Jesus all over again. And treating as an unholy thing the blood of Jesus. Stop it. Stop it. If you're turning your back on God, you're turning your back on the Bible, if you're not listening, then wake up. And pay attention. Because it's not a game. This is the real thing. You say, well, how do you know if you've gone and you can't come back? If you're here, you haven't gotten to that point yet. Okay? If you're here, you can still come back. The ones that can't come back are the ones that refuse to even come here. And there's no hope anymore. But for you, there's hope. Amen? Yeah. For me, there's hope. Amen? Yeah. Keep growing. Number four. Don't dis God. And what do I mean by dis? I mean distance yourself. Mm. Do not distance yourself from God. This is the other warning.
1: Are
0: you guys okay out there? Yeah. Can you handle the Bible? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He says in Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start, let's see, we'll go ahead and start verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere and faithful, s- sincere and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you near. I want you close. I want you to be able to approach God with confidence. With confidence. I want you to be so close to him that his presence changes you, fills you, gives you the strength you need, gives you the hope, so that you never feel alone. Because he's always with you. He wants you to have an amazing relationship that most of us have never even gotten close to. We're only at the beginning. We've dated God. We're starting to get to know God. But there's so much more. There's so much more to know about God. He does not want you to be far away from Him, He does not want you to pretend you're close or to fake that you're close. He wants you to actually be so close that His Spirit can fill you up and give you what you need in life. He knows how hard it is here. How does He know? Because He's Jesus. And everything we suffer, He suffered. Being hurt, being abandoned. You know, there's a lot of hurt in this world. And and unfortunately, every baptism, every person who joins the church brings a little world with them. You know, people looking for a perfect church, it's like, I'm sorry, but if you join, it's not perfect anymore.
1: <laughs> because there
0: is no perfect person. Right. It's a bunch of imperfect people. Guess what? Imperfect plus imperfect plus imperfect equals imperfect.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're going to get beat up by the world without hope. And sometimes you're even going to get hurt in the church. Yeah. But at least you have hope. At least. You know, I... I I know there's Christians that have been hurt. Christians have been hurt by bad leadership. Some Christians have even been abused by other Christians. And I am, I am so sorry that happens. I am so sorry. And I wish that would never happen. I know this ministry has been hurt by leadership decisions in the past that really hurt you, or by things that leaders did to you, or said to you. And I'm sorry, and I wish it wasn't so. I understand. I've been hurt. I've been hurt by things people said to me, leaders and members. Things that they said to my kids. Things that were said to my wife. And I'm sorry that happens. I've, I've sometimes wondered, why doesn't God just put angels in charge of the church? I mean, at least they do His will, you know? But I have to trust His plan. He put people in charge of His church. And He set up a system. It's scary to me how easily people criticize God's plan. How easily they speak out against. I mean, I've heard it. People saying things against elderships. The Bible warns you not. To speak against elderships. That's my boss. That's my boss. And I plan to appoint a lot more elders because the church needs more elders. And I know that every time I appoint an elder, I'm appointing a boss. That's okay. You say, but they're not perfect. No, and God knows that. That's why the Bible warns that leaders will be judged more harshly. All leaders. I'm aware of that. Believe me, I go to bed and wake up with that. But I will be judged more harshly. Everything I say and do. You think you got pressure. God is watching me all the time. But I also know this. God is merciful.
1: And
0: he draws me to him. And he fixes me. And he draws you. He doesn't want anything between you and him. And you know what comes between you and him? Your sin. Stop it. (laughs) Your sin. There was a coach one time that walked into the locker room and all the athletes were in there. He had a bucket. He took the bucket and he emptied it out on the table. It was full of snakes. Everybody, took off running. And he pulled them back together and he said, that's how I want you to react to drugs. Because that's how deadly they are. That's how you need to react to sin. You looking at that pornography? Stop it. Amen. Are you lying to people? Stop it. Are you flirting with somebody at work? Stop it. Get your act together and get some self-control. It comes from the Holy Spirit. All you gotta do is pray more. You say, "Well, I got some serious issues, but even that, the Lord provides help for." Sometimes, just like when the apostles were out casting out demons, they ran into one demon that they couldn't. Sometimes there's demons that are bigger than others. And we need professional help. And that's good too. And that the Lord provides also. Amen? There's no shame in getting professional help. It's all provided by the Lord. But don't let anything separate you from God. (laughs) It's Satan's plan. It's what he would like to do to all of us. He says in verse 24, "And Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He not only wants us to be close to him, but he wants us to be close to each other. To be there for each other. To get together during the week. To help each other and lift each other up and strengthen each other. To read scriptures to each other. To pray for each other. To sometimes just hug each other. Yes. Sometimes you just need a hug. Yes. Sure. We say, well, why do I got go all these meetings? That's why.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and some well, I don't need it. Well, maybe somebody else does. Yes. Maybe somebody needs you to hug them. <laughs> Maybe somebody needs you to read them a scripture. They already know what to do. Sometimes we just need somebody to tell us. Bro, you know but I'm going to tell you anyways. Sometimes we don't feel the need to get together. You know why? Because we're not in the battle. We're not doing anything. So why do we need to get together? I don't go to the hospital if I don't need to go. I don't go to urgent care if I'm not sick. But when I'm sick, I'm there. (laughs) <laughs> I get the help I need right, right.
1: Yep.
0: and if I don't Doug gets on me
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's the way it works we need each other and if you don't think you need this group look around you you need those people Amen. like it or not you say well they don't look very smart well they, they say the same thing about you it's called peer help it's why we don't miss it's why we go together it's why we'll drive across town it's why we'll spend a lot of time it's why the church met every day when it started out and then the last challenge don't fall short of his grace don't fall short of his grace. Chapter 12, verse 15. I'll start in verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, no hypocrisy, no games. Let's be real. Let's make every effort to live a real, authentic faith. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance, writes, as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought the blessing with tears. Could not change what he had done. He's saying, Don't be like Esau. Remember, we talked about this. Yeah. Who sold his inheritance for a single meal. You know, I've thought a lot about that. How, why would somebody do that? Well, one, they may not just be paying attention and didn't even think it through. All the implications. Because as the oldest son, he's supposed to get the land, the sheep, everything. And he lost it all. Mm-hmm. But why would somebody do that? Well, either A, he's just stupid, you know. <laughs> but I don't think he was. You know what I really think? I think he was bitter. I think he was bitter because his father, Isaac, loved Jacob. And when you're bitter, you do all kinds of weird things. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't appreciate what you have. I think he was angry. Yeah. He was hurt. He's just, yeah, whatever. I'm hungry, I want something to eat. And he wasn't thinking it through. And that could happen to us. somebody hurts us, we get angry. And we walk away. And give up all the riches of God. The hope of the Holy Spirit. When something happens, and we do something dumb, Don't do that. And make sure the person next to you doesn't do it either. If you notice, there's there's always in mind, in God's mind, not only you, but you helping the person next to you. That's what we call discipleship. Helping each other. Don't let anybody in your row, look down your row, don't let any of those people walk away. If they start pulling away from God, grab them. Yeah, come on, Doug. And pull them back in. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I know you got my back Doug. Don't you got it? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't pretend. And don't play games with God. Take God serious. No one loves you more than Him. And that's the point. Is don't lose out on the grace of God. God is on your side. God wants you to succeed. He's not sitting around waiting to punish you. He's there waiting to help you. But you have to turn to him. You have to put your heart in his hands. And you have to do it his way and trust him. Even when it hurts. Even when it seems impossible. Even if you've been burned. You keep trusting Him. Because if there's one thing that's true in this universe, it is that God is good. You can trust Him. And He loves you. So make every effort. What does that mean? Do whatever it takes. Don't let a busy life get in your way. Don't let debt get in your way. Don't let anger get in your way. Don't let people get in your way. Let nothing stop you. Be the one who stands by God. Be the one who stands with Jesus. Be the one who says, I will never quit on God. I have this crazy thing in my head that my last breath when I die I want to say Jesus is Lord and I want it to be true Jesus is yours but I know what that means that I've got to continually change grow I've got to fight to stay close to God I got to make sure that the garbage in my heart I'm throwing out regularly. I'm cleaning it out. What happens if you don't throw out your trash for two weeks? Yeah, you heard it. Ooh. When's the last time you confessed all your sin? When's the last time you got your heart cleaned out? Don't let it get putrid, it will affect you. There's a concept, it's called shoe. Unfortunately, I lost the Hebrew there. Shuv. Another way of saying it is repentance. It's something we should do not once in a great while, but regularly, yeah. constantly. It means you stop what you're doing, you humble yourself, and you turn to God. Our year... It's going to be eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's our shoe. We're going to repent, and we're going to fix our eyes. Hear what the Lord said to you today. I don't know, but you know. Whatever God said to you, take action on it. Don't miss the grace of God. The mercy of God. The forgiveness of God, because you're too prideful to be open. Or you're too stubborn to change. Grab a hold of it. Turn yourself in. And see how good God really is. God bless you. Amen.